Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Glorio Chat, the best anime podcast on the internet. You know, we're only a, a couple episodes into the, the new season. A little, little, little ways into the new season, but I think I'm already ready to declare the best uh, best anime for, for fall 2021. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, I'm going to officially uh, crown the Kaguya-sama Love is War Season 3 trailer. As ah, the best, yes. Uh, yes. A strong contender. Best it anime was very of the good. season. This <laughs> is gonna be either that or Super Robot Wars Thirty. I don't know. Gee, we maybe we can fight over that. But uh, <laughs> um, I do have some thoughts. Only on that, one of but, these uh, things has Romanagare in it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no. That that for for anybody that didn't see it, the trailer was actually like a ten minute mini episode about yes. them uh, go doing a deep dive onto the nature of what it means to be an otaku. It's very good. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, anime, anime <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, kind of. But uh yeah. It's the kind shout of thing I feel like my guess Yeah, shout out to that one. But uh I feel like it's the kind of thing that probably would have been annoying if it was in the show itself, but as a like commercial, it was fantastic. Uh but yeah. We'll look forward to that show coming back in uh April, I think, was when the, there's it's gonna be spring season. But anyway, we have currently airing anime to talk about. So uh before we get into that We'll introduce everybody. I'm Jell. I'm joined by Iro. I'm still here. I'm not dead yet. Still alive. And we're joined by G. Uh, my soul burns. Uh, with with my my hot blood is driving me to uh, <laughs> to fight uh, villains of all stripes, uh-huh. uh, 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 terrorists, uh, uh, militant organizations, demons, uh, uh, evil wizards. Uh, what else have I fought? Aliens, of course. Of course, aliens, can't, aliens. Yes, can't yes. go without aliens. Dinosaur uh, yeah. men? No, no dinosaur men. No, that's hmm. that's in the that's in the that's in the that's in the backstory of Super uh, Robot Wars okay. Thirty. Ka- Kaiju. No, but like uh, I figured that dinosaurs might show up anyway. Computer uh, viruses. Ryoma Nagare reminisces in Super Robot Wars Thirty about the old days when things were so simple and all you had to do was kill dinosaurs. <laughs> Not like these days when he has to kill. Uh, demons and aliens and yes uh, sentient computer viruses <laughs> uh, still uh, wild seeing uh, super robot wars at the top of steam in uh, yeah, 2021 it's, it's 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 wild i how did we get here yeah i, I, I i'll keep this short just long story short it's it's a good game like i mean I, I i'm not even saying by the standards of like a game that is essentially glorified fan fiction but it is a, ge- a genuinely solid uh turn-based strategy game that i think uh, has a lot of fun with its crossover framework. You know, if if you ever wanted to know what a heart to heart between Ryoma Nagare and Amaro Ray uh, looks like, <laughs> uh, Super Robot Wars Thirty has you covered. That is a strange combination, but yes. Uh, all right. Well, I've been thinking about picking it up uh, after I finish playing Dungeon Encounters, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> Shout out to that game. Um, Anyway, we are also joined by Zig, as we've heard. Yes, uh, our new objective is not only to be the best anime podcast on the internet, but also the best in the metaverse. <laughs> well, oh man, we're gonna have to. Yeah, we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to grab. Uh, we're gonna have to grab the Glorio blog username on the metaverse or whatever when that. Uh... <laughs> uh, we need to leverage you? more IP to get on the exactly. metaverse. Exactly. <laughs> is is that? Yeah, you know what. I'm not even gonna touch that one. Is, Let's is, just... is Gridman Cross Dynasty on gonna be them taking on the, the 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 virtual evil that is 
meta metaverse. No, because Lupin the Third already did that. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Gridman's going to team up with Lupin the Third. Yeah, now that's a crossover I would watch. There we go. Yeah. Put Lupin the Third in Super Robot Wars. The yeah, I was going to say this. He had robot. The car he is had, his robot. He had, he had that, the car counts right. At I this mean, point. Super Robot Wars has has skirted the the edges of what constitutes Mecha. Uh, Cowboy I mean, Bebop showed up in Super Robot Wars. There's so also that, that famous you... clip from Lupin. I think it's part two where he has a car inside a car, and that's a Mecha thing. That's yeah. basically a Mecha. Yeah, I think yeah. I think that more than qualifies. Yeah. So next next uh, next Super Robot Wars, we'll, we'll get that crossover. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Let's talk about some anime. Uh, so, this is our first uh, full episode back into the new season here, which means we'll have some time to revisit some shows that were still airing from last season that we haven't been able to talk about in a while. The continued breakdown of the traditional season structure is yes. uh, very much about Yeah, I mean, seeing as we're literally going to open this podcast with our final thoughts... On a show yes, from this we're still season. we're still getting final thoughts, and well, I don't think we have any previews on this one, but yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about uh, Fena Pirate Princess. Oh, baby! What the hell happened? What a dog shit anime! <laughs> Holy crap! <laughs> okay, so, so, we so been... I've I've only seen this up to the point where it started to turn, and then it, it I did not get any. And not I would just say, don't, don't bother. He said, just don't even. I yeah, got bad yeah, news. So. It stays in that trajectory for the rest of its so, run. I was yeah. just going to give my my quick kind of rundown of what happened here. We we started in the first like maybe two, maybe three episodes. It's like, all right, fun anime fantasy swashbuckling romp through history. Uh-huh. Yeah, wacky ninja versus pirates. Yeah, um, a little bit of like ancient magic shit, you know, very yeah, yeah, pirates like, of the Caribbean. But, but yeah, sign, exactly, pirates of the up. Caribbean. Like, like we the, the, all... the, the, the delightful kind where you were talking about how we're gonna go find El Dorado or whatever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, so um, but after that, they, okay, so I'm gonna try to recap recap here. They, they wrote out all the fun characters. Yes. Um, they took the main... The, uh, the main character never evolved to anything but a magic key that has no agency of her own. Yep. Um, and they spent right. most of the series screen time on a bunch of sad men that were very boring, and I hate all of them. A bunch of really, I mean, the the theme I feel like of Fena Pirate Princess is that simping will get you fucking killed. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Or, I feel like, like, or is simping the right and just like just thing to do to get what you want? Is the, oh so. yeah, and then the uh, and, and I mean that that's like the the bulk of the middle of the show, and then it, and then the, then you have the absolutely incomprehensible and pointless ending. Right, the All ending right. where yes, they, after we, after they climb to the top of the magic treasure island to find the the remains of Noah's Ark. We have like, our, like, fucking final battle journey in the mind's mind, eye. Where Fena is revealed to be the primordial virgin who must choose whether this world continues on oh, or, so or, other, or otherwise. 
sale no, it, on the arc. No, I'm not even sure. It is world. literally that because they ripped they ripped a couple shots straight up from like Evangelion also like episode they, like at the, at, the, at the top of this fucking island is literally Noah's Ark, and like the fucking like primordial Assassin's Creed ending beings are explaining to Fena that like ah you see Noah's Ark was the last time the primordial virgin decided to wipe the slate clean, and it's like. This could be you if you so choose. So, okay, so since we already mentioned it, this is where I now need to get into, like, Fena Pirate Princess is, for me, like, one of the best recent encapsulations. Like, one of the purest distillations of why I think... Evangelion ruined anime writing. Oh, no, no, no. We can't blame Evangelion for this. No, we can't. We completely <laughs> we can blame this can at blame Evangelion's it while feet. acknowledging that it is not its fault. Right. No, I'm not saying sense. that Evangelion okay. did these things, but I'm saying Evangelion is what leads to this style of anime writing. Like, search your heart. The, the, you, the people you, who watched Evangelion and did not understand the, the groundwork needed right. for that. Like, you know it to be true. Like, no, I, I can't really deny it, but... Like, this is the epitome of the anime that starts out cool with a great premise. And you, the viewer, are like, that's great, it's fun, it's not that ambitious, but hey, I can have a good time with this, just stay the course. And, like, this will be a fun, like, likable show. But then suddenly the fate of the universe must be on the line. Right, and, like, you have to have your, like... Okay, deeply so... internal personal reckoning with the, with the characters and like we're just gonna toss out all the like fun entertaining elements of it to like get ambitious okay, in this let me very stop you like there, G. let what? me stop you there my proposal is that this is not evangelion's fault because all media does this now all media must be this weird puzzle box for the audience to solve that ultimately leads to like ancient aliens declaring that the fate of the universe is in your hands. You all know, right, that's like, not just anime, no, that's no, all no, stories you, now. I get what you're saying, but if you watch the finale, believe me, you no, will get where I'm going with this. Yeah, of like, I, like I said the before. very specific type of like yeah, personal, I, they, like internal reckoning that occurs in the last episode. Yeah, they, I, like, I'm not, they like pretty much ripped the congratulations scene uh, from Evangelion into the final episode. Like, it's... So was was Faina's character development that she decided not to kill all of humanity then? Yes, and that, yeah. like, yes. like, her thing is like, ah, but if you do that, you have to give up your memories. Because you can no longer act as the reason. primordial virgin. Right. And it's like, oh, it's so bittersweet, she's gonna forget her love for Yukimaru, the, like, the, the, the main, like, dude in this show. And, like, it's... It's so fucking hackneyed. Like, I'm not saying that part specifically is, like, Evangelion, but I mean the whole just, like... I, I, I'm speaking more to the thematic and tonal, like, yes, shift this yes. show goes through from its first half to its second half is very much... I feel like you can lay that at the feet of, like... As Eero so, like, put... Like, so succinctly put it, an entire generation of anime writers watched Evangelion and took all the wrong lessons from it. And right. applied that to how they developed anime narratives. And so right. that is why I feel comfortable saying, like, again, even Gelling was not guilty of it in and of itself, having now watched it. But boy, did it inspire a lot of, like, yeah. really bad imitators. And you, you can go back and listen to our Evangelion podcast miniseries. <laughs> oh. uh, and, you know, we talk about how that show did what it needed to do to build up to the things that it eventually arrived at. Whereas... This anime, to me, 
felt like, and this is, I, I you know, I don't know anything about the production other than it was a collaboration between Crunchyroll and Adult Swim that they intentionally wanted to, you know, play up to Western audiences, but it felt to me like it was like designed by a big committee without a strong creative vision of what they wanted to do with the show. Yeah, yeah it's it's a, it's a hodgepodge. And it's just like a bunch of things just thrown in and somehow the whoever decided that hot, brooding hot guys was going to be the best angle to take for the majority of the show. I, uh, I mean, look, won. it is a, it is a and, proven commercial vector. Sure. So. And this, yeah. go ahead, Iroh. This show is like fundamentally a, like it's a plot structure is that of a romance show except it was using all the aesthetics of an adventure show right like but that's not really what it was right. and like i feel like that really gets egregious with like the you know this is a common trope right fucking i mean look i play the yakuza games so like this trope is just what i'm used to but like the main villains like essentially his apotheosis in the penultimate <laughs> episode where he basically gets like a whole episode and a half to like detailing his tragic backstory right, right. as he like he fucking loved her mother so much fades into light you know the i mean he basically being... gets like what he wants oh yeah and well, yeah. you see like, them you see them reincarnated as children in the last episode right yeah, like, like, this like no oh, literally... i hate those endings that is the ending of darling in the franks as well and i wanted yes, to punch yeah, my and, tv and, and it's really bad because like this dude like, killed know, a lot he, of people. He killed He's a, a terrible, terrible person. Yes. Yeah, and it's still like ah, maybe even he can find redemption in God's light. It's like no, he like. I mean, that there, there's what about a the way cool to... pirate ladies? Like hell, you know, we we mentioned this in an in an older podcast, right? But this dude it, like directly murders like this cool bunch of like rival this rival crew of all female pirates, each one basically being their own like Lupin style gimmicky assassin, you know, with their own like thing, right? I, I'm the one who's good at shooting. I'm the one who's good at like fighting with an axe, etc. Yeah. Right, that lady had a four barrel shotgun. Yeah, and and fucking. He kills all. Do they get their apotheosis? No, oh, well, no, no. They showed a couple of them at the end. I think Apparently, a couple survived, of them survived but somehow. Yeah. But I mean, that was a that was a killing explosion. They faded into white and everything. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Was the... uh, well, and well, the important thing is they never showed up again for, after episode three. Exactly. After, after they put all that effort into like introducing. I mean, that's one of the main things I was talking about when they wrote out all the fun characters. Like they right. were all gone by episode three. Um, it just seems. It seems so odd, you know, that, like, there's almost a magnetic um, force which sort of drags anime writers back towards this messianic, you know, the world must be remade archetype. And, right. right, and I these mean, characters need to be the most important people in the universe, and, yeah. Right, and, I mean, and again, I think that is, a, again, I think that's a problem with a lot of media, but I think in anime it is... Because anime is a genre, a medium which tends to fall into grooves naturally, right? Like a lot of anime are like a lot of other anime, perhaps more than a lot of types of media. But just sort of the desire for every show to eventually become Ava is is very odd, you know? Especially in a show like this, which is so tonally and materially different from that story. Right. I mean, Iro, you you're the one who clued me into there being a term for this like oh, subgenre. Do you want to talk about it? I or? have occasionally looked into this uh I guess in the post Ava boom of Ava like 
shows, uh, some people came up with a term called Sekai K or world type stories that Mm. are basically Evangelion like or uh, put another way stories where the fate of the world is is predicated upon the relationship between the main characters right yeah and like and like and like reading it's like you know i mean look this is not like a you know this is not a quote-unquote academic literary term but like generally the definition of it are stories that inherently start off in the material in the practical in the in the uh in the tangible but as they sto- as the story develops, grows increasingly internal and personal over time. Right. And again, like, I- <laughs> when, when you put it like that, I think that you know, I think that there are plenty of very good stories that are told in that well, fashion. But well, mm. the it, the the conflicts moves internally, but it's still like for the fate of the universe here, right? right. Like, it's yeah. not like they're right. actual resolving their you know problems or whatever. But and then, like even we talk about Evangelion because Evangelion is the big influence influence these days but that was taking from like Devil Man and Space Runaway Ideon and stuff and which also stuff kind like, of follow this format and even stuff like Ultraman you know in terms mm-hmm. of some of the symbolism and, and like the setup of of like the the heroic single figure and stuff like that you know yeah, it's, right. I, I, I just think you know, I mean, again, I've not seen the finale, but just listening to this, you know, I don't want to discourage shows from being ambitious because I think right. it's important that stories try and break out of their genre boundaries and, and you know, you do try and surprise and confound the audience. But at the same time, there's something to be said for not trying to be everything to all people, mm-hmm. you know. And I mean, I'm not entirely sure why this kind of, you know golden age of piracy action adventure felt the need to suddenly also (laughs) be something else and like i was reminded also while we were talking about this after watch i was i brought up like common writer gaim which which does which does become this but also is long and can spend the time morphing into that and and also you know gaim is like a lot of urobuchi's work you know in retrospect it is obvious he was building to that all along right it's pretty clear from the beginning yeah you know i mean like it's a bit of a weird case because you know you have the goofy kids show stuff sitting alongside the kind of grand (laughs) (laughs) myth making stuff but like it is very clearly a structured story that is building and escalating towards a certain point you know and i didn't necessarily get that with like the two-thirds of fainer that i saw right exactly it comes out Um, nowhere yeah we're going to have to keep... It could have just been refining treasure. At... It could have just been anime Point Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> yeah. It really just could have just been that. It would have been fine. We would have liked it. Like, I, I if... was... Yeah, I was going to suggest, what if what if uh, the story took a, a turn where uh, Fana just becomes captain of the Lady Pirates and they go on adventures for the rest right, of the like, show? Right, like, they could have embraced the more mystical aspect of it, just have a ninja fight a skeleton. I don't know, like... <laughs> There's like, so many... Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why we're talking about it this so long because, like, it was a fun start and, like, there was so much potential to have, like, a, just a fun, good show here. And yeah. It just, yeah. Yep. They did not do that. A common tale in anime. Yeah. All right. It could have been good I, I until found it Kusanagi. wasn't. <laughs> well, we're going to see what's going to happen to Kusanagi later in Hake story. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's, uh, we, we're going to have to keep moving. So yes. let's catch up with, uh, 
speaking of shows that are not high stakes, um, on the opposite end of the spectrum, perhaps, Aquatope on White Sand. Uh, i yeah. got to tell you, the moment the season switched over and there started to be stuff to actually watch again, this completely fell yep. off my radar. So, like, just disappeared. So I, I have actually caught up with this. I don't know if you guys are all caught up with I, it. I'm caught up with it. I'm, I, like, yeah. three or four I, I, why, episodes why, back. As the new season began, I think I so, watched one episode and then went, I... So I'll say this. <laughs> I would not necessarily say they've changed the status quo, but they've upgraded it. <laughs> I think sure. it's interesting. I I, I am more. into what they are doing with Aquatope's second season. They're they're definitely going way harder into the workplace drama angle because they basically yeah. have time skipped it like a year, and so like all the kids are out of school and they're like working adults now. Yeah, like I, and, I think it's been a little bit since we talked about it, but like yeah. They're all working at, like, this new aquarium, right? The right. one that was, like, being one opened she, in season one. The one that she should have burned down. Was maybe briefly considering, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, and, so they're... Uh, yeah, they're all at this new big aquarium, which is... Like, it, it's a little it's a little corny that, like, literally every character is working there now. So, like, yeah, that nobody... is definitely one of those things where it's like, I was like, oh, this is the part of it where it is a workplace drama because somehow this fucking aquarium had enough, like vacancy and its employment to hire like six people right like, and liter- literally not a single member of the cast has been written out like they're all basically yeah, doing they're the same all thing. there in some capacity right? um, like fucking even the even udon chan the fucking like restaurant girl found right. a job in a restaurant near the aquarium or uh-huh. something. so that's, that's a little yeah that's a little silly but um i do like because this is what pa works does best mm-hmm, i like them mm-hmm. leaning into the like real life like oh, dude, dealing fucking... with Cuckoo's dealing with coworkers whole... you don't like, dealing oh, with oh, oh, bosses man. you don't like. Kukuru's uh, whole fucking subplot in this season is like the realest fucking shit in the world. I the I... The, the image of her um because she gets put in the marketing department right which she does so... not want to be in, and the image of her like angrily typing emails every episode. <laughs> yes, yes. So, so it's like you know, yeah. As, as a quick recap, like Kukuru was like you know the like interim director of uh, the old aquarium. And she's very much a hands-on type of person, right? Like, loves dealing with, like, you know, the sea life, right? And she gets assigned to this new aquarium, like, in an office job, basically, right? Like, zero interaction with the animals, you know? And it very much gets into this, like, wrangling with, like, what does it mean to actually work in an industry that you like? And, like, what are the various, like, pieces of it that have to operate to keep it all, like running especially behind the scenes uh there's a lot of good just like kukuru's like trying to like get shit done and then like having to deal now she is from the coming from the other side having to deal with like you know the the bullshit of people on who's from the boots on the ground basically yeah right like she's like i sent you an email and the attendants are like who the fuck reads Uh, their work emails the pain of no one reading your emails (laughs) Uh, yeah. Um, and yeah, and just the transition of someone going from, you know, working in the trenches to the office job and how, you know, you, a lot of times you think, well, this will just be so much faster if I do it myself, but now things are too big for you to do everything yourself, you know? Right. There's so many, like, again, this is just what they do well of, like, somebody has been through this, whoever's writing this, like, they've been through the office, uh, ringer. 
They know how and this works. I, I do like where this is going because I feel like the implication, right, is like, of course you could have Kukuru work as an attendant and she would be like the best attendant at that aquarium. But like, I feel like the thing they're trying to set up is like, this girl's going to go on to one day own her own aquarium, right? right. And like, she's going to need to know how to like mm-hmm. manage it, how to direct it, how to like run the non like animal wildlife aspects of the enterprise. And yeah, this is her training arc, so to speak. Yeah. Um, what did you think of the recent episode that revealed, uh, uh Chiyu's whole like deal about the, her, the, the single the, mom, one the single mom. Yeah. Like, I, I actually really liked that because, like, you know, for people who haven't keeping up with the show, she was the, like, trainee who was, like, sent to work at a, the old yeah. aquarium. Oh, and, like, the, like, that she jerk. she did not get along with and they and end up working get together. Yeah. And they yeah. still Stared do not. some tacos at her. Yeah, so she's kind of, like, the first couple episodes of the new season, she's kind of, like, the antagonist of the show. Right, yeah. And then they like, drop this like... reveal in there that she's, you know, actually, you oh. know... A working single mother. She's a working single mom, and yeah, that's right. It. And I mean, right. And like they, they, I, I, I think I, I, I agree. G, I liked it, and I think it was a nice balance of like they still kind of hate each other, <laughs> right? But, but it's more like, look, like I, you know, I recognize that you have clearly, like, you clearly have your perspective on things, right? Right, and like, they, they've reached, they've reached a level of understanding where they can work yeah. together now, like... Because, like, there are implications even when she's introduced early on that, like, one of her biggest issues with, like, the old aquarium is, like, you all got your jobs just because you knew the director, right? Or you were, you know, the director's kid, right? right. Like, you, you just, like, stumbled into this job, basically. Whereas, like, I, as a working adult with a child to take care of, like... Do you know how fucking difficult the hiring market actually is? Yeah, and know, they even in the 21st they, century? they touch a little bit on like they kind of imply she lost her last job because she had to take time off to take care of her right kid, because they did not give her like any you know, like part of the challenge of being a you know a, a mother in, in the working world you know right and, and like there's, there's things definitely things we don't always touch on in anime yeah and like there's definitely an element of like oh yeah right like apparently Japan is kind of like notoriously bad about not giving working women maternity leave and stuff like that like it's right like in japan when you get pregnant when you have a kid you are right, expect you are just je- stop working period you are right. gently pressured to retire you know yeah. like after all the implication is if you're a mother you found a man and you know well shouldn't the man be uh financially supporting you yeah uh the idea of a single mother is too scandalous to even entertain yeah and it's i, I think I, it's very cool they went to some of those places. I will say the latest episode where everyone just hangs out and becomes friends. I was not big on that episode. Yeah, I don't know. But we'll see where where it goes from here. These all sound like great ideas and like great concepts to base an an episode around, but these shows are just Mm. slathered in this generic niceness, which to me at least prevents them from ever having any actual bite or substance to these sort of theoretically interesting interpersonal conflicts like everything is so genteel it's very hard to feel any sort of tension i mean yes like i mean that is kind of that aspect of these pa worth shows right is at the end of the day there is never a truly villainous uh employee in any of these workplace drama pa works anime right they're always just misunderstood or hey they got their own shit going on or or whatever right and i i do recognize that but i also think 
just because of like the type of like subject matter anime tends to cover. I think I'm always going to have a soft spot for a show that is at least willing to like, right? You know, even if it's with the kid gloves on, like actually like take a like by the standards of anime, a relatively hard look at like a lot of the struggles of like working young professionals. Yeah, I mean, we just don't good or bad. We just don't see that come up very often in anime. Right, it's always like, the high school element. The, yeah, the and, like, and like age element. And I'm not going to apply that like this is the first time in anime we've ever seen a working single mom. Like obviously that character archetype has existed in other anime, but I feel like they've always existed in that sort of like distant almost like martyr-esque figure of like, oh, what a what a or, woman. Or what their to child sacrifice herself like for the child is way. the main character and they're the right, side character. Right. Exactly, you know. And, and so I think focus to, on her instead. Yeah. yeah, to to give her so much interiority in that episode, I think was actually a really, a really strong choice narratively. But yeah, it's the last episode. It was like, yeah, that got into the PA work slice of life stuff that is maybe a little too cloying uh, for my it was taste. A bit of, it was a bit of a filler for sure. Yeah. Um, I I I get the impression we're kind of in between arcs right now, right? And then whatever new challenge is going to come up, you know, in the next couple episodes here. But um, I I have to say I am. Still enjoying. I'm enjoying it more than I expected in the second half here. Because part of me was still thinking they were going to save the aquarium somehow or get that back, and maybe they still will. I don't know. But the it, it, they so far they have committed to this new, you know, new status quo here. So yeah. Um, it, I mean, it's good enough for me to still keep watching. Yeah. <laughs> Same. So, it, all right. Let's uh, move along. Uh, other show we're catching up with, uh, The Heike Story, which started l- real late last season to where I'd almost consider it more this season, but we're pretty far into it now. So, I don't know. Again, what do seasons even mean anymore? <laughs> yeah. Um, I am still a couple episodes behind on this, so I'll kind of turn it over to you guys. But what I've seen so far, I have very much enjoyed um, it's been, uh, still perhaps a little bit dry with the court drama stuff, depending on your taste for that kind of thing. Right. I it's, mean, somebody I, I actually says, somebody actually it, says the words filial piety at some point. <laughs> uh, it is definitely like that. That is definitely the vibe of this show. And I think that like, you kind of had to get used to it because that, that is very much clearly the angle that the story is going for. Yeah. I mean, I that said, I, I'm very much it's... enjoying it, but just throwing that out there go ahead I, th- I think it's gotten a bit better as we've moved on and sort of the drama has become a bit more juicy and there's been a bit more you know more backstabbings and banishings and burning things down and all that kind of stuff <laughs> you know i think i think that it has picked up a bit i think you know this is the kind of show that i'm not necessarily watching to know where the story goes because although i am not familiar with the story of the haker like I am familiar with the way myths and legends work, and you know everybody knows where this story is going to end up. Everybody, but, like, is on some level familiar with the primordial tale of Macbeth, right? Like the yeah, you know, the pride before the fall. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. if you're on top, there's only one place to go, and that's down. Yeah. But I think, you know, the reason I watch this show is to kind of, like, luxuriate in the moment-to-moment stuff. You know, the beautiful character animation, the lovely music, the really inspired shot choices. You know, it, it's a very sort of flow state of mind anime. Yeah, I, you know? I think the thing that makes it work is, like, this is very much... So the thing about this, about this anime, it is it is very much the Heika story, not not the Genpei War. Like this is not a historical, retelling like... of the historical event. This is a retelling of the historical uh, folk tale <laughs> yeah. that is the <laughs> retelling of the, the historical version. event. Right? You know, like this is the this is the story in which like. Yes, like Shigemori dies because he literally prays to the gods to take him from this mortal coil should the Heike fall, right? This is a story where in the latest episode, Kiyomori finally passes away, and they say that, like, his fever was so hot that water poured on him with steam, you know? Like, it is... It is the story (laughs) of a real... Like, they can see operatic. the future yes. and see the dead. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, it is very much the story of the fall of the Heika or the Tyra clan. You know, this is the creation of the Bafuku Shogunate. You know, this is the story that tells the creation of the modus of power that would dominate Japan until literally the Meiji period. You know, like... Right, but I, th- I but, think one but, of but the, the strengths thing is... It uh, I was just gonna say, I think the thing it does with that is, I mean, yeah, as, as you were saying, like it is operatic in its in its portrayal, right? It is there. There is an artistic flourish to it that I think helps keep it like interesting, even when sometimes the history either gets a little dry or it is presented without much context. And and I think one of the strengths is that you don't have to know all of that historical backstory. You know, I certainly don't know the vast majority of it because in its operatic style and in its adherence to, you know, one of the many monomyths, it is, you know, you get the mood, you get the feeling, you know. And I think, you know, Naoko Yamada is very good at that sort of thing, you know. I mean, and and it's interesting to see her talent for, you know, setting that sort of mood and and character attachment turned into a slightly more serious story and i think you know it just communicates time and place so well that you don't necessarily have to have an interest in the haker or in you know japanese history or mythology or anything just to sort of feel part of the the sort of motion of the 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 times happening you know it very much feels like the history that is happening is a wave that is carrying you along with it you know and i i think that's one of the things that i really enjoy about it and and you still get the little like vignettes of human emotion and interaction and like oh totally the the human element in it so it's not all just like Mm -hmm. uh, i mean really none of it is directly telling you what's happening right i mean i think i think as far as the big picture it's you're yeah. kind of hearing that in the background of people playing out these their you know their lives in the I, imperial court. I yeah. mean, I think the the assumption the assumption is that any domestic viewer would know the story already. I right. think, but I mean, I think that helps even if you don't know the story because it does place the focus more on the human elements and less on actually telling you know the big political picture. And right. I think that's to its strength, even if you don't know exactly what is meant to be happening or what we're building up to. Right. Were you going to say something, G? 
Yeah, so the thing I was going to get into is uh, the events of the most recent episode, uh, where I guess the thing I'm curious about is, you know, so to kind of just, like, briefly spoil it, like, Biwa is essentially expelled from the Heika. Uh, the implication, of course, being that, you know, they are doing it for her own good, because even the Heika can sort... W- w- they can see not, the writing on the wall. They can see the writing on the wall. Like, they know, like, the allies are, are rallying around Yoritomo, you know, of the of the Minamoto clan. I suspect the legendary samurai Yoshitsune and his <laughs> battle buddy Benkei will be showing up in this anime soon. Because, in case you didn't know, this is the story they come from. Like, if you see <laughs> yeah. them in Persona or Fate Go, this is where they come from. Um, and... Once those two show up, it's basically over for the Heika. Like, it, some real Dynasty Warriors shit is about to happen to them. <laughs> um, and so, to in, in a way to save her, right? To save her from the inevitable reprisal that will be carried out against the Heika. Right. Uh, Biwa is told to leave and to not come back. Mm-hmm. And because she is the viewpoint character, right? it's like, well, what happens now? Like, do, do, do we not get perspective of the Heika anymore? Like, is she going to actually meet Yoshitsune? Right. <laughs> like, is she going to, like, wander into the Minamoto, like, clan's, like, camp and, like, become... Yeah, I mean, it, for them, it's implied right? she's or... the one that goes on to tell the story. Right, later. right. We cut so, to like... her occasionally. Yeah. And, like, that would actually fit because, like, I've never read the tale of Heika myself, but my understanding is that the second half sort of becomes... Like, if the first half is, ah, the hubris of Kiyomori no Taira, you know, patriarch of the Heika, mm-hmm. then the second half of the story is Yoshitsuna and Benkei kill everyone. <laughs> right. So, All right, well. You know. <laughs> um, I do wonder if that is the angle we're going here, but. um, Yeah, I, so I, I will definitely be caught up next time uh, on this one now that I've got all this other garbage we've dropped, but. uh. <laughs> Hmm. Yeah, it's been real good. I think this has been a real sleeper this season um, where, you know, it kind of came in on, on a, you know, barely announced and it's been doing its thing. Yeah. So, I mean, can it really be a sleeper with the pedigree mm-hmm. behind that the people true. involved, though? You I know, mean, you have, you have one of the most decorated directors of the last decade of anime along the, with one of the premier the, studios. The, I mean, the... The various places I normally see people talking about anime, I don't see a lot of people talking about this. But... Well, because it's the least commercial thing in the universe, right? right. That's what, but that's what, that's what I'm saying, why it's a sleeper yeah. with there's guess, not a lot of people yeah. watching it. Uh, it's not, it has nothing to do with the quality. It's, I'm saying if people are actually watching it. So go watch it, is what I'm saying. Um, well, all right. something that's maybe a lot more commercial in its own way. <laughs> yeah, let's talked about uh what is it tact opus destiny destiny um real quick bit of a drop off quality wise yeah that last episode is uh um because it started out looking so beautiful in the first episode and i feel like there it's a little always happens episode four dude i mean this is this is the episode four dip all right we've all seen it it's a little rough because they're still trying to do the same kind of shots yeah right but they just don't look as good. <laughs> I've, uh, I think, I've um, seen on Twitter various people accusing either the Mappa or the Madhouse side <laughs> of letting <laughs> the team down. And my understanding is that actually they kind of both just just and, let, let the ball drop, so yeah, to speak. 
and, and just particularly for this kind of show that relies so much on looking very good, it's right, kind like, of a little bit of a letdown. Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, we're, you know, Tactopus Destiny is the kind of show we sometimes talk about that is, like, this show is mostly trading on, like, you know, a broadly likable cast of goofballs, but also a very high degree of production value. Yeah. And if right. one of those things is to drop, then the other thing needs to start carrying things much harder. I don't and think, I don't the... think that the cast of Tact Opus Destiny is quite... Like, this is not Sword, all right? This is not Sword from Garo Vanishing Line, <laughs> where even when Vanishing Line looked a little rough in some places, the big, meaty, like, <laughs> core of its charisma, Sword, was there to, like, keep things alive. Mm. Like, Tact Opus Destiny does not quite have that, uh... Yeah, that going I, for it. The, the thing I was going to say was just, you know, I certainly don't hate the, the story, but I'm not really watching for it either. Right. You know? yeah. Right. Well, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, it it can't carry this the whole way by itself. I I am uh, also getting a, a a kick out of Anime America. Yes. Uh, like, they show up in Las Vegas. You know, Las Vegas. We have the 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 casino here. The casino named Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> inside of Las Vegas and like the sh- I mean so this is one of those things where it's like again I don't blame the writers or anybody involved in this anime but this is like the thing that I this is like the thing I like to bring up for why it is difficult for foreign writers to write about or writers to write about places that are foreign to them right like it's because it speaks to, like there are like these like you can read up you know a lot of stuff in you know Wikipedia or or Google it but like there are things that you are not going to know without living in that place and right. the idea of farming in Las Vegas is the like yes, silliest I, I goddamn thing hysterical. in the world because like Las Vegas is literally like environmentally like a dead zone a wasteland life it's literally cannot yeah. life literally cannot flourish in Las Vegas like if you had to start farming like if you had to abandon Las Vegas to start farming you would just abandon Las Vegas yes, you, you wouldn't would start a farm stay. there right. you would like move to literally like a hundred miles know, in yeah. any other direction right <laughs> and it's like and I'm sure the equivalent to that would be, like, if, like, you were an American writer writing about Japan, and you were like, ah, it took us two hours to get from Tokyo to this place, and anyone who actually lives in Japan is like, uh, no, dude, that's like a 45-minute, like, bullet train ride or whatever, right? right? It's like, it's these subtle things that you're just never going to know without living there, and right. I, I, I wonder I, I, how I'm not much condemning of it the is sh- yeah, genuine sorry. ignorance and how much of it they are playing for effect. Yeah, I think it's just like, they just don't care. A little I don't bit of mind, both, I think. Because yeah. it is very clearly a very silly take on Anime America. Like, it's the 2040s, and people are still, like, running 50s-style diners. It's like... Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> I I wanted to mention the sheer visual absurdity of uh, Titan, the new character, the girl they oh, introduced. Oh, yeah. Titan's a... Shotgun I... <laughs> So, the, just like the... I mean, she's clearly another gotcha character, right? Yes, she's like okay. a parody of anime. Girl but but that's what, yeah, that, that's kind of what I'm gonna get. What I'm getting at, I I like how they handled her because she's kind of creepy, right? <laughs> like she's like she got doesn't her wide eyed smile at all times, right? Like and they her kind power of... is just shotgun. Like... Yeah, <laughs> and she's like this tiny little girl with like bright orange clothes running around with yeah. a shotgun, and and like. I think they're kind of winking to us that, like, yeah, we know this is absolutely I mean, they ridiculous. do it a little bit, right? Because like, even at the end of the fourth episode, right, she does the classic anime girl pitches her voice down to get serious, right? right. When she uh, corners the, uh, but the I, guy running the casino. <laughs> I feel like they kind of intentionally made her, like, a little bit creepy with, like, her, her like, constantly smiling I, and everything. I mean, I kind of have to keep doing that because, like, you know, if we're talking about the music arts in general, right, like, um... 
cassette is like comically like monotone serious right, right. titan right. is like kind of just a weirdo Based on the OP, uh, it looks like some of the other music arts are also maybe a little unhinged. <laughs> yeah, crazy based price. on their appearances, I, so. I just it just felt like like if you have to find a way to shoehorn in this ridiculous character that does not yeah. fit this world whatsoever, like I feel like they handled that in a pretty funny way. But um, look, man, if if a shotgun was good enough for Doom Guy to fight the forces of hell, uh-huh. a shotgun is a good enough power for a little girl to fight evil demons in 2040s America. Yeah. So, so, so suppose. <laughs> I, 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 so yeah, I think overall I'm still enjoying what we're doing here, but I'm a little wary of them being able to keep up the, I, the quality. Yeah. I think for me, I think I'm going to need to see what they do now that we have finally, looks like we have finally exited the flashback zone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, I assume next episode will take us back to like current day or oh, whatever what, be... what's our next wacky america destination well that's what that's exactly. what i'm wondering are we going to stay in flashback as they're well i don't i don't really remember how far they were across the country when we first in episode one but i feel like they made it to the midwest, the midwest by yeah. episode one okay, but so that maybe... also could just be that the way they designed america it, it, it all looks the same I mean, yeah. the great plains do look all the same so yeah. <laughs> um uh... Yeah, so we'll see what kind of wacky... Like, are, are they going through the south and then going so. up north? Was that the plan? I've seen Maybe. I, I want to see like, Amer- like yeah, anime like, Texas. Yeah, right. They I gave like a fairly it... decent uh, itinerary of where right. they're headed, which right. is kind of looped through the south. And yeah, then we're we're going to definitely have to see Texas at some point. Right, like any anime that takes place in America has to have Texas. Like, yeah. it's, it's got to, right? we got, we got to see cowboys you in 10-gallon like hats. Run, run, run. Um, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> God damn well, it. let's let's not invoke that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll well. I think we'll always have the wacky American hijinks at least to keep us entertained, even if this turns into a train wreck. So yeah. it does bear mentioning this. This is the same scriptwriter as Garo Vanishing Line, which also had yes. some wacky fake America. Yes, the fake America in Garo was very good as well. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move along. Uh, we can t- touch briefly on uh, Digimon Ghost Game. I know Zig, you have not had an opportunity to give you share your thoughts it, on that. It's a perfectly decent kid show. You know, it, it's fun. The monsters are cute, and it's not egregiously awful, which makes it like a huge step up. But you know, there's there's fans of the genre will find nothing new here um you know if you like digimon you will probably like this if you don't like it is just kids tv still better than the last one right i mean so is gouging your eyes out with barbed wire so (laughs) just i cannot communicate just how awful that adventure reboot was but yeah you know it's they're introducing the main characters you know there is spooky happenings happening you know it's good they're committing to the bit i'm into it you know but that's about it did they Man, do i just any... realized we're fucking recording on halloween and we didn't even do like a halloween a spooky Ooh. bit Anime, yeah you know halloween. i was making these notes like three days ago and this is gonna come out like three days later so it didn't yeah, occur yeah, to me that, uh... also like i've i've never understood america's obsession with halloween look neither like, have i it's an excuse to cosplay and get candy. Sure. Yeah, yeah but like, and when you're younger, the way people it is also... treat 
the way people treat it like a real holiday is incredibly All right. odd the, to the, me. The, the, the best way I can try to summarize it is, like, Halloween is, like, for a lot of kids, like, depending on, like, where you grew up, Halloween was, like, the one holiday where you had, you were allowed to go out late at night with friends. Sure. Like, you know, when you're, like, from between the ages of, like, 8 to 12, like, you are not hanging, you know, depending on your parents, you are not hanging out with your friends past, like, 8 p.m., right? Like, that just doesn't happen. And so, Halloween is that excuse to, like, fucking get out there and maybe cause a bit of a ruckus. The outdoors but, uh, has to yes. And you get a lot of candy. And you get a lot of candy, so everybody um. wins. And when you're an adult, it's an excuse to drink. So, again, everybody <laughs> wins. Well... There you go. Digimon Ghost Game, a spooky anime to watch on Halloween. Um, uh-huh. but, uh, watch Digimon, drink liquor. Be Halloween. Yeah. No, I Candy mean, the corn. previous Digimon show was an excuse to drink. Yeah. This one, not <laughs> yeah, so that, that, that was a requirement for the previous uh, Digimon, yes. right? All right. All right. Well, speaking of show that maybe oh. will drive me to drink by the end. Yeah, let's uh, touch base with Kyokai Senki. You a guys haven't dropped this show, for 86, sh- 86 yet. <laughs> maybe we All should. All right, so we should. I like. I, you know what? Maybe I'll just say this to the podcast, just to, like put it in recording for posterity. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe we'll just drop Kyokai Senki, and Ira and I will just catch up on the last six episodes of 86. Because Kyokai Senki is like maybe like... It's not bad, but it might legitimately be the most generic mecha anime I have ever watched in my life. And I've watched and Fantastic like, Prince. And like, but not even generic in a good way. Right? <laughs> yes, not even, ge- not even generic in the like, ah, they're gonna do the tropes you love about robots, and that's fun and, because and robots are fun. But no, like this is like, it's like I can't even call this white bread because white bread arguably has substance to it. Like this is like, <laughs> like. Uh... I, I don't know. I don't even want to get into that much, but it's just like okay. So episode four, ironically enough, episode four of Kyokai Senki was there. We're going to increase the budget for a big fight again episode because uh, right. you know the the rebels that the main kid joins up with. You know, surprise! The rebel camp gets attacked by a mysterious black mech. Right, that, right. The that black doesn't mech. show up. It's IFF signature. Doesn't show up on any database. I'm sure. <laughs> Does this all sound familiar? It's just a mysterious black mech. And- and it doesn't belong to any faction. It just it fights. It fights everybody. Like a specter, it just appears out of nowhere. Oh, yeah, well, and causes we've designated a ghost. This is like a mm. AI generated script for a mecha and, like, anime. The here. thing is, like, okay, yeah, we, we the fed thing, right? we fed twenty robot anime. <laughs> into yeah, the but also, but the thing is, like, done well. I would play a front mission game with this plot. Like I would, I'm not. I'm not too good for it. Yes, but you're you're like, insane. Like no, what, what? Mysterious black mechs are awesome, man. I fucking love. It's like actually no, one hey, of my the right context, tropes. right? But in like, the right context, all right. Uh, all through episode three, main dude has been hanging out with the rebels and talking. Yeah. He talking with the pretty lady there, who uh, you know had her heart's heart with him and explained her 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 motives and stuff for for joining the resistance. And talked about how her, her necklace is a family heirloom, etc. And so, of course, within the first literally like two minutes, three minutes yeah. of <laughs> episode four, this black mech has shown up, and she's like, "Well, hold it off!" And it shoots at it with a normal gun from a like G. a fucking M16, yeah, like an AK. And of course, you know, it gets stepped on or whatever. And main guy's like, "No!" It's her like her necklace flies fucking... through the air. He's like. like... <gasps> 
and yeah, it's just the most. It's so it's so it's so yeah. by the numbers. Like it's like every aspect of it, right? Like even by the end of the episode, right, where the hero finds his like gumption to stand up to the black mech and teams up with like the the cool, calm, collected the, second like the cold you know, sniper right, guy, and, they, they, and like. And so it's like, okay, now we're going to have, like, the two-on-one fight, you know, classic, right, where because of their teamwork, they managed to overcome the, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the mysterious black mech and all that stuff, right? And it's like, it's fine. Like, it's not even, like, that good, the fight. Like, it's all right. Like, there are better fights in Gundam Build Fighters. I mean, yeah, Gundam, I mean... <laughs> Gundam Build Fighters has better fights than, like, 80% of mecha anime, but, like, you know, it's just, like... You know, so I, I've talked about the mechanical design in the show, right? But these mechs are a little bit smaller than Gundams, right? They're like right, they're like barely above power suits from what you've described to me. Yeah, like they're, they're like, like they're ten like, feet tall or they're something. They're like ten right? feet tall, right? Yeah. They fold up small enough that they can fit in a pickup truck, right? Like the way the main mech like literally folds out, right? Is like its its torso. Its torso is like connected to its legs in a way where the torso can spin three sixty degrees independent of of its legs. Right? right, so like the way it folds out is like it spins one eighty degrees. Then like it's like a transformer, maybe like it pops out, right? Right, right, right. And right. like so, it's like, it's kind of like not weird looking, but it is unique for like mecha anime. And like there is only like one scene in that whole fight that even like there's like now we're really getting into the weeds here. But the thing I really like about some about certain mecha series, usually real robot is when they do interesting things with the fights because they're robots and not people, right? Like, the classic example I'd like to bring up is Gundam Build Fighters of, like, you can stab a dude in the cockpit in Gundam Build Fighters and that mech will keep going because there's no actual human in there, right? right. Like, they're, they're kids' toys. So, in a weird way, they can fight more to the death than any real Gundam actually could. And that's a great example of a show utilizing its gimmick to make its fights more unique and interesting. Right. And so there's like one like fucking like half a frit like fucking half second bit in this fight where like the main mech like swivels its torso like 360 degrees to like avoid an attack or something. But other than that, like this fight could have been in any Gundam, in any like real robot anime. Like there's nothing unique about it. Right. And it's just like, well, if the fights aren't good, and the characters aren't interesting, <laughs> and the plot isn't like, <laughs> like what are you, what compelling. Are we yeah. Why am I even watching this anymore? Other than the fact that it is a Sunrise anime original mecha series, and so there is a part of me that is still like kind of like anticipating a Code Geass esque like shit show at the end. Right. But I don't even know if the show's capable of that. Okay. Like what fucking if, episode if, one of Code Geass opens with Lelouch commanding a bunch of dudes to fucking kill themselves. Like you knew from fucking like fucking step yeah. You, one. you, you knew you gee, knew right I, away. Gee, I have to point out. Maybe you have been poisoned by the meme, but it is pronounced Geass. It is not Geass. Is it? All yes, right. Absolutely. I mean... They say Geass in the show. Geass is just a nickname. <laughs> I didn't know anyway, that. I that was actually how it was pronounced. What if at the so, end of uh, Kyokai uh, Sanki, a Mamo warrior on the borderline, the uh, AI buddies reveal that they are they are spirits sent here to cho- to find those chosen to make the new world, and uh, <laughs> and well, uh, the kids must choose whether to destroy the world or make it a new. 
<sighs> it's just, I don't know, man. It's like, so here's the thing, right? The reason I even joke about going back to 86 is that I feel like we at least had interesting conversations yeah. about 86. Right? I selfishly, like, want, I selfishly want you guys to go back to that because I, I, I was enjoying hearing you talk about it as we will, awful as it sounded. I will, seen we will not, discuss it off air. <laughs> I have seen a not inconsiderable number of people say that 86 is the best mech show of the last five years. Which Those is, people are uh, insane. Or mm. mech and or maybe mech anime has truly been that bad for the last five <laughs> yeah. Grand no, in the past no. five years. What was in the last five years? Grand Belm. But yeah, then some, no, it can't be the best anime some, in the last some five some years. Some real, some. It seems to elicit opinions across the spectrum. Put it that way. That sounds like some real boss baby shit. Of like, <laughs> I haven't watched a single mecha anime in the last five years. Thus, eighty six is by default the best mecha anime. I, of I the mean, last I meant more that like people seem to believe that it is a genuinely good to great story. So yeah, you know. a lot it's of people it, are very high on it. I think I, I said this before about 86 back when I was watching season one. I'll say it again. Again, maybe season two addresses some of my issues. Is that 86 has the heart and the text of a legitimately great anime, but it lacks, like, the vocabulary to actually communicate it in a compelling manner. Like, it is a show about, like... I mean, you know, it is a show about how war is politics and politics is war. It just also does it in the most, like, ham-fisted way. You can still like, throw sh- flour, eggs, sugar into a bowl and not have a good cake. Like, yes, yeah, yes, that's a good I, way to put I, it. I, um, yeah, I always looked at it, I, I always got the impression it was, like, the ideas were good enough that people were willing to make excuses for it in their mind, like that kind of thing, where, right, you know, maybe they like it more than it really deserves because they're, you know, they really like the ideas yeah, but, and, you know, I'm yeah. not digging people for that. I just think it's interesting how you guys seem to think that it is, like, actively and horribly bad, no. and some people... Well, no, like... actually, no, I wouldn't even go that far. I don't... I don't... I'll be honest, I don't like 86, but I don't... This ain't going there... It's not... It does, it does, it does, it does not sit at the same cafeteria table as I'll know a Zero or Gundam C. <laughs> I'll put it that way, you know? Like, I think you guys, I, you guys, you guys seem we, we, we praised 86, like... Yeah, you guys seemed more yeah, disappointed often. that it wasn't as yeah. better, more right. so I will than also say it, that yeah. I think that putting Gundam Seed at the same table as old Noah Zero is really harsh. Like, I think... To who? I, <laughs> to Gundam right. Seed. Like, no, I we, think Seed is bad, but, you know... Alright, we can't... We can't... We, we don't have time... Gundam Seed. We cannot we litigate Gundam Seed. <laughs> we don't have time for that today. But... <laughs> We'll we'll see we'll see next time. Yeah, yeah. If you guys are still on this or if you've made the transition. But it Fuck. doesn't sound uh great. I can't believe so we might just have to fucking binge eighty six. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> what I we should this. do is binge Thunderball Fantasy so we can finish season three by the end of the year. Or you know All what? Right. Fuck it. You know, I've been playing Super Rebel Wars thirty. Maybe <laughs> it's time to get back on that Gun X sword rewatch. <laughs> I keep telling you guys on that one, but uh yeah. All right. Also, I just unlocked Gal Guy Go, so there's a part oh, of me man. that's like, should I watch Gal Guy Gar now? It's because yeah, like you should. It's good. It's also long as hell. You know, it's just like I fucking unlock these two characters, and I'm literally opening up the glossary. It's like these two children were sent back to Earth uh-huh. with the usage of the uh, zero uh, dimension yes, missile. missile. I, I will say in the. <laughs> In the past 24 hours, screenshots of Bishonen Teenage Mamoru oh, from that game have begun. Oh, you've not seen Teen Mamoru and no, Teen Kaido and it, before? It, 
it's like oh, deeply yeah. disturbing. So funny. Nah, that's what like. they look like, man. Also, fucking yeah, you're right. That fucking chest is so bad. Like the line <laughs> is so it. much better. All right. Like I, I think this is another <laughs> tangent we can't go down. <laughs> okay, but right. uh, yeah, let's let's move on to something that uh, from what I hear is just very good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, shout out, shout out to Aqua to putting us on to this yeah. last. Yeah, podcast. he's not here, but we. I think we all got to admit he's the one who discovered. Like, yeah. Uh, so was, uh... ranking of kings, I I am definitely going to watch this. By next, I have not watched it yet, but you guys have watched it since. After. Oh, dude, this this is the one. Uh, like there was... <laughs> so we, yeah, we talked about episode one, right? Um, yeah, we talked about episode yeah. one last time. Yep. Man. And <laughs> this is really well made show, dude. This show is like it's really well written. Yeah, that's so, actually the thing. So, quick recap: this is the one. It's like the it's a the prince, but he's he's he, deaf. He's deaf and he can't speak either, right? Yeah, yeah. He's correct? both deaf and mute. Yeah. So, um, and he's a small anime person who's physically weak, uh, right? So, I, I guess where have they been going with this? Is my kind of question of like because okay. it sounded it sound like it sounded like when we were talking about it before, it was more just like setting up the premise. Yeah, yeah. Of, so of I would say the characters are without spoiling anything in the grand scheme of what the first three episodes of Ranking of Kings seems to imply is that it is going to be a story of Prince Boji's self discovery, yeah. his his rise to coming into his own as a man in this world, like. Whether that means becoming a king or not, whether that means ascending to the throne or whatever, it is going to be about his self-actualization. Mm-hmm. But in the micro, this is a story about, like... Ugh, this sounds so fucking hackney, but like, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a story about people, right? It is a story about what motivates people, right? Like bo- and, and, and what drives people to do both like good and evil acts. You ah, know? so unlike you know, all mecha mm, shows except that one. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it is. It's like, it, it, you know, it is a show that is about like, why, why are people selfish and what c- drives people to make selfless actions? And mm-hmm. like, it's just... I think episode three is actually what sealed the deal for yeah. me. Yeah. Like here, about what this show could be capable of. Because episode one is a great underdog story. I think episode two about, continue- about shadows like incredibly dark backstory. <laughs> right, right. They reveal that the like race of sentient shadows always lived because like basically they had zero qualms about like murder. Like, mm-hmm. like their backstory is like, literally the like assassin clan. Right, like we we see a little baby shadow, a little baby shadow being raised by his mommy shadow, <laughs> and like the baby shadows like. Mommy, what do we what do we do for a living? And mommy shadows like, well, son, what we do is we kill anybody that we're asked to, regardless of target, man, child, woman, the elderly, the infirm. We have zero qualms. We always kill our target, but it does make us a little unpopular. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. And about how eventually, yes, surprise, surprise, the clan that is known for having zero scruples about murder eventually gets uh, <laughs> hunted, uh, down. hunted down to the last man. Uh, <laughs> right. Um. Right. And long story short, I don't want to spoil it, but Shadow had a hard life. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and that's very good. It, it helps set up the parallels between Boji and Shadow. Right. About right. why they find kinship in each other. Right. But episode three is where I think things right. like get really interesting. Boji is still like beat to shit after the sword duel with uh with with his Dida. brother Dida. And Dida just like savagely beat him with stick. To the point where like he like it is implied he has broken bones, like, his limbs are swollen, mm-hmm. like, he is basically completely infirm. Right. Yeah. 
but uh, somebody's uh, using healing magic on him in the night uh, secretly, and he's all better by morning. Right, but... And and I guess the thing that, like, I don't want to spoil too much because I do think a lot of this works very well because yeah. of just how... I don't know, not, not audacious, that's not the right word, but this show is confident. It's right, it's yeah. It's confident in the type of story it's telling. Um, I, I looked it up, and mm. this is literally like some fucking Mob Psycho 100 shit of, like, the original manga is like a One Punch Man tier webcomic. Right. Like, right. the art is, like, frankly kind of terrible. <laughs> and then Studio Wit was like, what if we just turn this into the coolest fucking anime ever? <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm interested because I haven't really seen much past, like, the trailer. Mm-hmm. And we talked it about last good. time how it's kind of a, a neat art style where it looks like a manga from, like, the 60s or something. Yeah, there's a... Uh, but <laughs> but there's the actual animation and everything. Oh, yeah. like, there's a dude, there's, there's a, a fight in episode three. Uh... Dude, <laughs> like okay. the part the part where fucking the guy like you know this oh man it's like some fucking samurai <laughs> shit right where the two meet on a fucking empty road and they just fucking start running parallel to each other mm-hmm. oh man and the and the, the camera tracks with the characters running yep. which like doesn't sound that crazy but for 2d animation right, right, right. that's fucking ridiculous yeah and uh, you know I, I i get it that's the kind of thing where that will be hard to convey over a podcast um, but uh, yeah the but yeah i and i think there, I, I guess, there have been some really sorry go ahead no, no, you actually, you go, you go like, first. There have been some really good hints at just the, a wider world in very, in ways that are, um, how do I put this? Stuff will just happen, but in, in, a, in a good way that makes you go, wait, what? Tell, I want to know more about that. And then it moves on and it dangles that in front of you, that carrot. Yeah. There's like, so like, okay, in episode three. The, the current king passes away, and uh, everyone comes into the room, and and such. And uh, then a fucking demon crawls out of the king's body. A good proper, red, like, bright red horns, Satan-looking motherfucker. <laughs> this giant looks at the crowd, points directly at Boji, laughs... And then disappears. It's so good. And there's no other like <laughs> Zero explanation. explanation or anything. No, no yeah. dialogue. Like I was so ready for the the demon to say, you know, the classic like, and so the pact is complete or what? No, no, it doesn't no even words, have to. Right? No dialogue. Like... You, you, it just it <laughs> it's so good. It's like... right, and it just leaves you with questions of uh... exactly. Yeah, nice. And, I like um, it. But the thing I want to point out about episode three is like, so I don't know. Is it even? Do we, do we talk about the healing? The the I feel like it's such a good moment. We, like, it's such yeah, a... We have to. Okay, so eventually it's revealed that the one who healed Prince Boji is uh, the Regent Queen. The the, the birth... the uh, Boji's stepmother and the mother of Dida. Right. You know, right. The, of the uh, jerk prince. Uh... The jerk prince, right? right. The, the seemingly selfish woman who's only primarily concerned about uh, mm-hmm. the, line- the lineage of her son. Right. And to be fair, that endures in this episode. Uh, the king literally leaves a will that says king, that Boji will be the next king, and she destroys the will. So, like, yeah. On at, at its core, she is a selfish, ambitious woman. Mm-hmm. But also, she heals Prince Boji because, like, 
she cannot bear to see even someone she considers, you know, a son in her own way, physically savaged to such a degree. Right. And in fact, she spends much of the episode like trying to watch out for him, in her trying own to way, protect yeah. him in her own like and and maybe misguided but but sincere way. And what this clinched for me was like, oh, the thing that's going to be exciting about this show now is that every time a new character shows up on screen, it's going to be exciting because if they could do this with like this one character who I was like initially convinced was going to be the primary villain of the story <laughs> and turned her into this like nuanced, interesting character with like right. her own motivations and like to be fair, like personal failings, then just imagine what they can do for the rest of this cast. Yeah. And like that's like right. really really exciting like, to see. They they manage to have characters in this in this show that are like genuinely feel multifaceted and interested. Yeah. Which I think right. I think I'm used to from anime and not that I dislike this or anything, but anime characters just kind of being one-off archetypes. Right. Or if they do pretty, or if they do change yeah, it's like pulling the rug out from like oh the, this good guy right. was actually bad and I mean, yeah this... they, they pivot one I and i mean i can right. I, I can enjoy that like we were enjoying the hell of thunderbolt fantasy where everyone is kind of a one note well like, yeah that's a different tone dude. for sure but, but uh, yeah but yeah in ranking of kings it's just really refreshing i guess to see how they flush out these characters and And, yeah. and all that, especially only three episodes in, right? Yeah. Because in the episodes one, too, the queen is just like the generic jerk, jerk right. stepmother. But there's a, a fair amount of time in episode three spent like showing how she actually does care in her own way. Uh, right. And not in a like hackneyed way. Yeah. Because then on the flip side, when you do that, you often get the like let's redeem this horrible person when, when I, I hate I hate those stories right. so much but but when it's nuanced enough to be like speaking of finer pirate princess <laughs> yeah you're right mm-hmm. when it when it's when it's nuanced enough to be like okay people are capable of both good and bad things <laughs> you know that right you, that's what you don't often see so that's pretty cool yeah and all so, right so yeah uh I will definitely have so to I think it's, it's the surprise of the season for me yeah it's yeah. definitely something I want to get into, like, from the positive feedback from you guys and from pretty much everybody who's seen it, I definitely want to catch up with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll get on that. All right. All right. Uh, let's up. move along to Lupin the Third, Part Six. Yeah, Lupin the <laughs> Third, Part Six. Mm. It's fine. It's... I don't know. There's something missing. Yeah. Yeah, we talked at pretty extensive length last time about the difference between mm-hmm. this and part five, which was, by all think, accounts, fantastic from your guys' opinion. I think that continued to show itself. Uh... I, I think, though, that um, the recent cinematic film, cinematic film, you know what I mean. Lupin um, the First. The, the film, yeah, Lupin the First, the first. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> uh, um, I think that had it too, you know, there's a certain croix de vivre to those productions, you know, and and also a certain understanding that Lupin is an anachronism in the modern world to be celebrated rather than 
right. sort of sort of attempted to be homogenized. Like that's a bad way of putting it, but I hope I kind of get across what I mean. And and this this kind of feels like they have just wedged an entire like Gupan section into the present day, if that makes sense. Right. It it's very weird. Without they're not making any consideration of what does Lupin look like in twenty twenty one, right? And just jam yeah, Lupin into like right. here's another Lupin and, story. And also, you know, I think that like having Sherlock Holmes in it is all oh, right. Very weird. So in like, episode two, they they basically yeah, yeah. explain Sherlock Holmes is a like legendary title passed down to to the one most deserving of the title in any of any given era or whatever. Like they they uh. just say this in passing, but then like it kind of brings up the question of well, Inspector Lestrade is here. The, like, the landlady is here. Mrs. Hudson yeah. is here. Like, are you telling me Mrs. Hudson is also the legendary <laughs> the, title passed down? It's the third, the third Mrs. Hudson. Yes, uh, the, of what, yes. like, uh, like, the woman It's a classic most case fitted. of the explanation yeah. raising more questions than it answers. The, the, the woman most f- fated to hold the title of, of Sherlock Holmes' landlady. Um, oh, God. that's Yeah, that's, that's kind of, and it's kind of unnecessary, right? Like, if you just told me Sherlock Holmes was hanging out with... Because Lupin's like, hanging out. Uh, that's like I, I wouldn't need right. any further and explanation so, and then, on of course, that. Yeah, Sherlock Holmes is uh, you know a better shot than Jigen, a better fighter than Goemon. Can so charming he can make Fujiko swoon, right? He's like the the only way to play Sherlock Holmes in modern media, and to be honest, it's the way he's played in the original stories as well. Is either to make him a a complete goofball and like an incompetent like hack. Or B to make him like an intensely annoying piece of shit, <laughs> and like this this incarnation is kind of too competent for his own good, if that makes sense. He's just kind of boring. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I I don't I don't ever think of like the 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 original Sherlock Holmes as a weirdo, right? Like <laughs> yeah, like even by the standards of the time, he is like an odd eccentric. He's an eccentric. Does weirdo, cocaine and guy, plays violin. Right? Like yeah. <laughs> I I think it's only it's only an anime that he becomes a you know oh, yeah. um, I would say perfect not to not to constantly bring a part five but we're gonna constantly bring a part five uh, that I mean, if you make a part six you're yeah, gonna get compared five, to part five it, it's <laughs> also the fact that part five was so recent right like it was only a few years ago yeah. I would say like yeah. part five made me understand to think of Lupin as literally like a comic book superhero character where. Like, sure, Spider-Man, for example, came out in, the like, the 60s, at the same time as Lupin, and you can just use that character even in the modern day. You don't necessarily have to... There are parts of that character that do not have to interact with the modern day. Right. To a certain extent. Because, because they, are, they are part of the character's mythology. Right. You know, they transcend time and place because... We know that that is just how things are about right. the character. And like, yeah. I looking at Lupin Part Six from that lens, like I can kind of I get it. Like it's just another Lupin story, and we're in the modern day because it's the modern day right now. And this time he's fighting his strongest enemy yet, Sherlock Holmes. He was just as strong as the whole crew put together. How can Superman fight someone who's just as strong as Superman? Uh, <laughs> right. And so I'm a little 
probably more forgiving than I should be because I'm like, okay, I see how I see the structure of this more clearly after part five. Except part five, <laughs> if reckoned with that, like, how does Lupin stay relevant in the modern day was was one of the main themes of that. Right. Yeah. And yeah, the answer I mean, was a little bit of he adapts and a little bit of he doesn't of adapt. His classic, uh, right. Yeah. And so think, and, and also yeah. I will say that like I, I hate to critique things on purely technical grounds, mm. but this show opens with an extremely extensive car chase, which is of course a hallmark of all oh, Lupin and stories. Yeah. And it's all in CGI and it is Saddening. bad yeah it, it's just like it it has a lot of the tropes of lupin right. car chases some, like things flying through the air and exploding with it but, but yeah there's just so little elasticity and so little life to it compared to like a 2d animated version and like i think it's a really good illustration of what like doing something to CG can actually lose you sometimes, yeah. and and again, I don't like to criticize shows on purely technical grounds, but here it is so important to like the mood and the vibe and kind of the the way that Lupin tells stories again and again and again, just like all long running franchises also, do. Also, it feels wrong. Yeah, anime anime is a visual medium. Like we. <laughs> I think it's okay to criticize the technical aspects of it if they, like... Yeah. You know, in the case of the, the CG cars, they yeah. stand out enough to distract from, right. you know, the, the and, our and enjoyment. And I think it, it does stand out so much because they are doing the things that, you know, have happened in Lupin car chases down the ages, you know, like but tumbling not as through well. the air and exploding and, like, screeching round corners on two tires, you know. But, I mean, you know, you compare it to um, a comparable chase scene from Part 5, you know, let alone the famous Castle of Cagliostro chase scene or some of the stuff in Part 2 and stuff, and it just feels very stiff and and it's yeah. sort of emblematic it feels like they're going through the motions to a certain extent yeah, and I, and that's fine because the motions are still sort of fun but there's something missing yeah i think i think for me the thing i've come to realize with part six is like i mean it's a similar realization i came to with part four and also like uh the fujiko mine spinoff is like lupon is great for all the reasons you said right it is a timeless enduring franchise that can always like just pop up every few years and like be what it is and i think what that means is that you kind of have to get used to the reality that like that means that like not all lupon series will be made equal right like yeah. you're gonna get your great ones like part five you know the takeshi koike ovas and then you're gonna get your part fours and part sixes right that are like you know not terrible i, I heard I, I heard for people who stuck with part four that it wasn't awful it was just extremely uh by the normal yeah. to me <laughs> to me like the thing so, that, the thing that know. gets me and I'm, I'm just from the outside looking in and what you all have described it like they're cranking out a lot of these and, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, yeah and like how long ago was part four at this point like and if it's like if you're telling the same story over and over again it's one thing if you're putting out a series every five to ten right. years i mean there was a right. huge stretch between part three and part four that was just Lupin was a you got one big special a year and then yeah it, that it was became it. like but over the past the you know what was if uh, was part four like five years ago or something like something i don't know like what the that. yeah like over the Longer past at this point yeah. i i i, I am right. fearing in my heart <laughs> let's say let's say seven years or something like that, that's, that's, that's a lot of lupon was in 2015 
Okay. Right. Okay. So yeah. What about? Well, well, okay. How about this? What about the Fujiko Mine spinoff? Because I feel uh, like arguably, right. I feel like that, that was is, 2012. Yeah. That, I feel like that's... arguably that is actually what kicks off like Lupin's return to TV. Okay. So so over you've had that like was what? Yeah. Okay. So four or five close series to in the span of nine years is a lot of Lupin yeah. to be without bringing some kind of variety to the table, right? Mm-hmm. Like right. And I think I think initially the variety was. Um, we are going back to the classic setup. You know, the right. gimmick was that there was no gimmick. And, and then you, you can only do that once every, right. yeah. like, 20 yes. years. And, and <laughs> part 6 is sort of embracing the anthology setup that Part 5 had, because when when the next episode preview is early saying, and this is the writer for the next episode. Right. Like, which I think... Right. I will say fun. that they, yeah. they do have one sort of bullet in the chamber as well, which is that much-discussed uh, episode guest directed by Mamoru Oshii. That's well, episode, let me yeah. tell you, that is episode four. So. Mm, okay. <laughs> Which is not, out, not out as of this recording. But, uh, yeah, yeah. But we'll see. Yeah. All right. Well, let's keep it moving then. Uh, we'll, we'll come back to that, I'm sure. Uh, let's talk about uh, Comey Can't Communicate. I guess apparently this was the wacky comedy I was looking for. Yeah. I didn't realize how, it. How luxuriously animated it is it? I, how, how how bad are the official subs? Right, oh, I think I think yeah. every single discussion about this show has to talk about how yeah dirty we we it touched being done by Netflix. We touched on that very briefly last time, but to be more specific, because I did actually go back and watch the Netflix one just to see there's, it for myself. There's so much oh, yeah. on-screen text that's required for the yeah. show, right? Yeah, so so for people who don't aren't familiar, the the main girl Comey doesn't talk. So you're telling me Comey can't communicate? Is, yeah, no, but I mean she literally doesn't talk. So a lot of her communication is written, and there's a lot of text on the screen. And um, particularly, I feel like the episode two and three were not as bad, but particularly episode one, there's a, a very lengthy scene where they're just writing stuff on on a chalkboard, right? And they translate like the key parts of the dialogue, but there's a ton of information there that kind of sets the tone of their conversation. There's like, I, it's, like it's like a montage of like shots of the chalkboard as they're furiously writing back and forth, and they just don't translate any of it. And I I will say that you know far be it from me to defend the giant corporation, but I will hmm. say that it is very difficult to do the kind of like mass subbing. Oh yeah, that, I know why they are it, doing in you know in in the pre-formatted Netflix style, which can only deliver subtitles right. in a certain format at the bottom of the screen. They, yeah, because when you're dealing with something that has to scale from you know somebody's phone to a big screen, and and you don't you don't have the ability to just place subtitles anywhere. Right. Right. All, all the all the fan subs and, have and, used extremely elaborate custom yeah, type settings, and and, and so. even just investing the amount of you know work that that would take. And I guess uh, the thing that annoys me about that then is like, all right, I get it, right? Like, yeah, no, it's not an excuse. It's formatted to like for a very specific type of use case, right? Like, yeah. I totally understand that, right? Like, they probably have to systematize a lot of that stuff for the sheer volume of content they put out. But then in that case, why the fuck did? Y'all like get Comey in the first place, then. <laughs> well, then that's that becomes a strictly business decision because yeah, it's it's a very, yeah, because it's very yes. popular. But and so yeah, popular. no, I'm not. I'm not. Again, I'm with Zig. Like, I'm not. We're not defending it. Like, I, I just I understand why it happened, and for them, it's just I guess not enough of a priority to figure but, out a solution. But for watching it. it that way does 
give you a greatly diminished experience right. yes which is incredibly frustrating because obviously we want to support official sources and you know we want people to get yeah. paid but when you know this is a classic case of you know pi- pi- piracy because that's what fan subbing is let's be straight here you know is delivering a materially better experience in every possible right. way and the glory of life does not officially like, endorse uh, you know, it's, you know whatever it's, it's, but it's almost like oh it's almost like it's almost like open source fan driven attempts at uh, uh realizing and presenting uh, a lot of certain media is uh, vastly superior to the official methods uh, I mean, we can't get are, into are, that. Are we, ta- are we taking <laughs> taking shots at emulation? Uh, we're not going to get into that. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, but not... just say. Uh, but... So anyway, yeah. So I, I will say, just by sheer luck, episode two and three did not relate. That was not as much of a factor. But mm, that's in general, There's still bits of it. But that yeah. that's just by sheer luck that they didn't happen to have a scene where they're writing on a blackboard. Um, you know, that I'm sure that will come up again, and I don't foresee anything changing with that but uh because it seems to be a systemic issue that said as far as the show itself um i really liked the first episode i think that was all that i was out when we talked about it i was a little concerned that it was maybe like going to be a little too sweet like a little too saccharine um because you know i like my comedies where everyone's kind of a dirt bag yes <laughs> and um they they kind of introduced some dirtbag characters in the in episode two and three, yeah. so but they're getting there. They, they're not as bad. We're not. We're not on like you know, if we're going to use our classic Glorio examples, they're not like Sabage Boutier of like horrible <laughs> human beings, but they, they, they're 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 interesting. Um, in in episode two, we get the the childhood friend <laughs> yes. character that Aqua was talking about. The, that the is the Osana Najimi, Osana Najimi. Uh, yes, um, and. You know, uh, and then in episode three, we get the the glasses girl who's some kind of masochist or something. I don't know exactly right. what's going on with her yet. But, um, you know, it's not all just like, you know, we're we're going to help Comey find friends and it's going to we're all just going to get along and everything. There is some like comedic yeah, conflicting and, things to and, it. To make and it... to be fair, I, I think the tone as well is is way more towards the goofy end, you know, even yes. in that first episode. Yeah. It, there's not the earnestness that I... Like, I'm not saying there's not emotional or, like, lovable content there, you know, but there's not kind of yeah. the painful level of earnestness that something that was totally focused on yeah. that stuff would It's have. really only, like, the main guy who's, like, the real, like, totally earnest like i'm going to help comey and he and that's they kind of just play that as part of the joke yeah and i mean like he's the straight man to all of the weirdos surrounding him that's right. the whole point you know? so i i think i think it's it's a pretty good setup that works pretty well um as we've mentioned it continues to look fantastic yes it's uh maybe that's terrific. the double-edged double-edged sort of signing the deal with the devil with netflix here huh. um you don't get <laughs> the subs are busted but man does it look good um <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm really, like, this is my kind of show, um, and I'm, I'm I, really enjoying I, it. I would say I like it a lot. I think it's funny. I think it's sweet. I think it's silly and looks fantastic. I don't think there's a great deal of depth there yet. No. You know, I think it's, like, it's difficult. Like, saying it's throwaway feels like a pejorative, you know, but it's... No, yeah, um, I, I, I think it, it has... It's very... Sh- 
again, I'm trying not to pick words which are like have, have negative, negative associations. Yeah. yeah, but like it's it's very you you what you get what uh, what you see is what you get, and right. that's fine. But I I wonder how long they can keep the jokes flowing. I I think the fact the the premise of she's supposed to find the hundred friends means they can just keep introducing all kinds of weird characters to shake things up. I, so I, I, that's kind of what I'm hoping they're going to be going for. I do also have to bring up one terribly embarrassing thing, which is um, whenever she mentions that she's looking to get one hundred friends, I'm always reminded of B Gutter HK, where the main character's oh, no, objective no, no. is to get one hundred fuck buddies, and you know, just every time I'm like, oh no. Uh, what was the officially licensed uh, title? Uh, Yamada's first time. Yes. Shout out to uh, yeah. that show, which one was... of the few weird dumb sex comedies i yes. genuinely enjoy that, that was, was pretty amusing um yeah. that's that's going a ways back now at this yeah, point yeah so that was uh the that was yeah one of the old that, that was pre i'm pretty sure that was pre yeah Glorio. that's that's pretty i think that show is from like 2009 or something yeah like. that era don't say that yeah. um <laughs> but uh yeah you know it, it is a delightful trifle you yes. know, and and I don't think I'm not asking for it to be more than that, but I'm interested to see whether it will be. Yeah, so long as it, it yeah, I I could, I could see where you're coming from. Where there's you know we don't want the the jokes to run dry here, but so far I think we're doing pretty good. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah, let's wrap things up and talk about Sakugan. Sax and guns, Saxon guns, um, the adventures of Memempu and Gagumber. Yep. And which team yeah. are you on? Are you on Team Big Tony or Team Regular Tony? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Regular Tony all the way. Uh yeah, that was pretty good. That that appears to be the only name that she knows. Um, yes. <laughs> as far as naming things. Uh. But yeah, um, Sakugan pretty good still. Yes. Um, yeah. I felt like in episode two and i'm trying to remember which episodes were which now as we're getting the end of the list here my brain's frying um Mm -hmm. i felt like the first episode or two was like kind of spinning their wheels a little bit as they were getting their footing and you know i felt like we were kind of beating the relationship between the two of them to death a little bit but uh is it episode is it episode four they go to Italy? Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. They go to fake Italy. Yeah. Will, is it fake uh, Italy? Yes. I yes, yes. I mean in the same Italy. way that the first episode was fake China, basically. Yes, like 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 that episode has like the sight gags of like Ah, the building's tilted this way because that's what Italy's about. Well, we've got right. mafiosos. Right, these hot-blooded men fighting in the streets and everybody snaps their fingers. Yep. It's Italy. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of a uh, is if this if this is what we're going to be doing on this adventure, yeah. uh, kind uh, yeah. of a wacky curveball to to all of it. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm still liking it for sure. I'm having great yeah. fun. I think that it's it's a little all over the place tonally. You know, I maybe it's... like it. It's kind of not quite completely like doofy comedy, and it's not quite serious drama you know and and that's enjoyable you know i think it is a little unfocused and wild and that makes it unpredictable and interesting but i i again it's a question of where they're going to take this in the long run sure i guess i mean i think for me it's like 
you know, we were like dumping on Fen a pirate princess at the start of this podcast, and it's like, it's because I look at a show like Sakugan, and I'm like, I'm fine with this. Like, yeah, like, you know, even if this doesn't end up being the most ambitious thing in the world, like, if this just, if this is your, like, big friend, baby child adventure, well, well, okay, you know. What if they finally get to the surface or whatever, find that tower, and they go up yeah. the tower, and then there's an alien AI that says, Oh, man. Now, Gagumber and Memempu, you must decide whether the world is destroyed and remade anew. Will you press Will you press the stop, stop war, war button, button Memempu? <laughs> I, I mean, this is still the same concept of they're trying to find a magical uh, distant land here. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's true. There's yeah. still room for this to I, fall I guess, apart. I guess for me, I, I, I'm going to hold out hope because I feel like episode 4, which as we often say, is often the, the episode 4 dip. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, look, I'll, I think even Sakugan suffers it a bit, but I also right. think they managed to salvage it enough by introducing um, Zakletu, uh, right. which is... Uh, I'm glad which, you all uh, remember these names, because... Sports a pretty good and, you know, the sometimes rare um, Kanahanazawa playing a, like, scumbag character. Yes. Uh, which uh, <laughs> My is always favorite fun. Uh, role for her, yes. Yes. Uh, I feel like she does a good job there. I feel like there's a lot of pretty solid sight gags in episode four, like... Uh, Memempu might, if they keep up this energy, Memempu might eventually have a uh, facial expression collage to rival um, a Serpa from Golden yeah, Kamui. She's, she's at got this that, rate. that same energy. Uh, yeah, I got a lot, a lot of good faces from the, uh... Uh, from her this episode, and uh, I don't know. I'm always gonna have a soft spot for just like a fucking dirtbag dude trying to hit on a bunch of ladies and fails horribly. <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> It's funny because, like, uh, <laughs> he's. I find it amusing how, like, he clearly loves his daughter, but he's a terrible father. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Like, like, like she. She's like, I'm gonna go over here, and like, literally before she can finish talking, he's like, Oh, I'm gonna go hit the bar and try to pick up ladies. Um, yeah, you know the. Uh, it's pretty. The always good gag of thirty times. Like, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. The good gag of. Uh, his face, you know, it's, it's 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 you know, it's it's the kill kill episode four joke of like, the face briefly turns serious and gets three tone shading for like <laughs> half a second, <laughs> you know. Right. Uh, uh. It's way more towards the like cartoon end of anime anime, which I wish more shows would embrace. You know, the yeah. more you know, we are a wacky cartoon yes. and we know it, and we're gonna have some fun doing like. A bunch of stuff that you like kids don't try this at home right. you know I, I, right I, like it's, it's it really embracing has... embracing the medium like doing things you couldn't do in a live action absolutely type of... and it's got great energy you know there's a great yeah, vibe think, to the whole thing. i think i think like if this show had been animated like god i was gonna say 20 years earlier i might have to actually say 30 years earlier now <laughs> Uh, yep. It would have, like, Big Tony would have been animated like Boss Borat from Mazinger Z, oh, yeah. you know, like... Noodle arms. Noodle limbs, yeah, yeah noodle arm, like, <laughs> slapstick energy. Like, I, I love Big Tony. Big Tony's made my favorite mech design in years, but, you know, he is also a CG creation, so he does not get to, like, squash and stretch in the ways right. that the rest of the characters do. Yeah, but, uh, right, I get you. Like, this, he, he looks good for the CG, I think, yeah. but, but he doesn't have that right... 
noodle arm energy uh, but uh talking about, i don't but. yeah like i said you, uh, look there's always the chance that yes they fucking take the elevator to the top of the tower and this goes straight to fucking shit and yeah. we'll all reconvene in about two months fucking talking about how yes. fucking dog shit sakugan is the, the, and the i will core... relitigate my evangelion ruined <laughs> mecha anime rant the, the core of big tony is actually the catalyst that oh sets off the uh... God, i don't even want to <laughs> Okay, want to entertain but the consider the alternative, which is they get to the surface and they go to the top of the big tower, and then they go into space. Sure. What if what if what if Big Tony gets into a space robot called Bigger Tony? Oh man! Yeah. Oh and, uh... man! <laughs> X oh, that would be so XL good. Tony. And then they, and they get into a bigger robot called Biggest Tony, yep. and biggest they go to space. <laughs> At the end of the day, it uh, all boils down into Tony. robots getting into Biggest bigger robots you know oh, i think i i think the thing which makes me optimistic about sakugan is that i think it's more self-aware than Fina was yeah i think and, so yes and i also think that i like uh Mamempu and gagamba more than any of the characters oh, absolutely in yes oh sure Fina, sure without a know. doubt absolutely yeah. yeah they 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 know where the fun is at here yeah and they're absolutely. sticking to it so yeah yep. and and you know how they will escalate this story is unknown and interesting but i think that's you know in the good way i want to see right. how oh, yeah. they're going to raise the there's stakes, absolutely going to so be speak. like they find whoever is keeping humanity down by keeping them underground at some point sure like, but probably, i mean like yeah. there, there's uh i'm assuming this is not a two-core show so you know already the clock is ticking on yeah. that yes yeah. all right place your bets what fake country do they go to next I'm gonna put my bet on fake Texas. Uh, oh, what if what if uh, Tactopus Destiny and this both go to fake te- oh, man. Texas? Oh, <laughs> the year of um, fake Texas. No, I think I think it'll be. Hmm. I I always feel like fake Britain is a yeah. Reasonably I feel good like it's shout. gonna be another European country before we hit sure. America. Okay. That's my... Okay. But no, France, no takers maybe. for fake Japan. Is fake Japan too easy? That's, too that's like the last. Yeah, yeah that's like the all last right, one. all right. <laughs> I mean, fake Japan is like the ultimate state of humanity, right? Like when humanity has been liberated and is living above the surface again, then they're in fake Japan. Christ. Right. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, we're looking forward to that one. That's uh, that's the end of the list. So that'll do it for this episode. Uh, pretty, I, it's pretty good stuff to watch. I, I th- I'm feeling pretty good about this season. Even I mean, there's cut. enough to watch that we didn't have to dip into our Thunderbolt fantasy. Uh, we might next so. time. <laughs> we might have to next time. I don't know. But, uh, I, I'm. I think uh, at the moment this season's scores a solid exceeds expectations from me. Yeah, you know, which is nice. Sure, we, yeah. We've got a couple. We got a couple surprises, which is always nice. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll touch base next time. So, all right. Let's do our housekeeping to wrap things up. You can uh, check us out at theglorioblog.com. Uh, I don't know if I don't remember if I mentioned last time. You know, we had all the other first looks for other shows that we didn't talk about. Those are still out there, even though you know we're a month in now. But go check that out. Um, uh, just to mention, uh, Colons, uh, Peter, and Yuri have just written up the Scotland Loves Anime Festival they went to a couple of weeks back, and that's worth seeing for yes. some opinions on th- uh, newly released films and stuff. Yeah, I and think also that, End of Ava. I think that I think that post literally went up as we we're recording. Yes, so that's yeah, out. it's live. By the time um, you hear this, it's live. Yep. So check that out. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at the Glorio Blog. 
You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon Music, Podbean, Stitcher, and of course YouTube. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel, you know, like, leave a comment, ring the bell, all that good stuff. And, uh, you know, make sure you tell your friends, tell your enemies, and we'll catch everybody next time. Peace.